Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. We hope that this message will challenge you and encourage you on your journey of faith. If you would like to learn more about Journey Church, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at thejourneychurch.cc. Now enjoy the message. We uh, started a series last week called Let's Start the Journey. And, uh, and really, um, I didn't even get past my first point. So this is part two of week one of Let's Start the Journey. Um, but I do want to kind of hit on some of these, these things. You know, when it comes to a beginning of a new year, uh, we start new things. And so one of those things we're starting to hit on is talking about going back to the basics. What does it look like to walk this life out with God? Your relationship with Jesus is a journey, somebody. Y'all know that? It's a journey. How many of you know you're further along now on your journey with Jesus than you were when you first started? Aren't you glad about that, though, right? Like, I'm just glad I'm further along this week than I was last week, right? That's the journey. Your, your life, your walk with God is, is a journey. And I think sometimes, listen, I think it's true. I think sometimes the church has done a disservice to the church itself. The church has done a disservice. Or say, I say, pastors preaching a message have done a disservice to the church because what we've done is we've created a, a religion that's works-based. We've created this, this journey that doesn't look like a journey. It looks like torture, right? And so we spend most of our lives preaching these messages of you're not worthy, you're not clean, you're not this, you need to do better, be better, get better in order to see this. And that's the message that gets preached. And, and for a lot of us, it's not an enjoyable thing that we have, this walk with God. It's a, it's a tauntamous thing. Uh, that's not even a word, tauntamous. Y'all know I make up words up here, right? It's a, I do. It, it's a torturous thing. Come on, right? And, and so you know what happens. This is a true story. What happens? This is, this is true. Part of, part of the, the, this is crazy. During pandemic, do you know that during the pandemic, there was a great flight away from church? Did you know that? Not you guys. You guys are here. Come on. So, and you two watching online, you're here as well. But there, but here, right? But there was this great flight that took place from church because what happened is, is, is for a lot of people, you went to church because that's what you did. You went to church because your mom went to church because your grandparents went to church. And so that's what you did on Sundays is you go to church. And then when the country shuts down for a virus, right, that starts spreading, and we need to take that serious. I mean, we take it serious. But when the country stops and shuts down for a virus and says you can't meet, people begin to think, oh, well, wait a minute. I could not go to church and feel good about myself. I can I could not go to church and, and God still love. I can not go to church and, and that's where I'm at. I can I can do that. And so people go, well, I'd rather not go back to church because I got broken away from dealing with the rut and the and the rigorous rut of church. Does that make sense, y'all? Again, not y'all, you guys are here. But it's true. And the reason that is is because there have been people who have been who have started this journey with the wrong message. They've started this journey of walking with God with the wrong message. And we started talking about this last week. We, we started talking about this. So let me just define journey for you real quick. Again, this is going to be a little bit of review from last week, but we need to get here to go there. Amen? All right. So journey defined is the act of traveling from one place to another. That's what journey is. It's the act of traveling from one place to another. Now, there are synonyms for journey. It's adventure, campaign, expedition, exploration. That's what your relationship with God should be. It should be adventurous. It should be a campaign. It should be an expedition. It should be an exploration. You should be going from one place to another. So when we start this journey, the journey that we start following Jesus with, the journey we start following God with should be a journey of good news. Y'all say good news. 
It should be good news, right? That should be good news. But, 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 but maybe good news in a different way. Maybe good news in a way you've probably not heard it. You see, because listen to me. If your journey started off like this, if your journey started with you escaping hell to get to heaven, hear me out. If your journey was you escaping hell to get to heaven, it was the wrong message. It was the wrong message. So, well, that's how I got saved. I didn't want to go to hell and fry like bacon, so I made Jesus my Savior, and I went to heaven now. I go to heaven. But if that's the message you started with, it's the wrong message because you can go in the book of Acts and you can read every time an apostle preached the gospel. He did not start out with, hey, listen, do you know that you're on your way to hell and spend eternity there if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's not how they started their messages. What they started their message with was a God who loves you so much that he put on flesh, came and made his dwelling among you, and died for your sins to forgive you. Now, some of y'all are thinking right now, well, then what are you doing with my hell? I'm not touching your hell. You can hold your hell. You can keep your hell right now. I'm just trying to tell you that's not the focal point of the gospel. It's not hell. If your gospel message is hell first, it's the wrong message. And if that's the message you started your journey off with, you'll spend your entire life trying to make sure you don't go to that place. Amen, Pastor Chris. That's good preaching. Amen. All right. Listen, hear me. I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. You can believe me, and we can, we can keep rolling, or you can be like, man, you are all up there full of some heresy, and that's a, that's, we can still love each other. Amen. You can believe me or you don't believe me, but we, you're going to live next to me in heaven anyways. Come on. So if, if escaping hell was the message that you started your journey off with, you'll spend your entire journey trying to avoid it. Did you hear me? So if, if, if the message you started your journey off with God was this, that God loved you so much that he punished his son so he can forgive you, it's the wrong message. Wait a minute, that's what I heard growing up. I heard that, that God had to punish Jesus to, to love me. Let me ask you a question. Is that what love does? God is what, church? He is love. And, and love is patient and it's kind and it's not envious and doesn't keep records of being wronged and it's not jealous and boastful and always, always, always follows, always perseveres, never fails. You cannot convince me that love looks like, well, in order to have a relationship with you, I must first beat the hell out of him. I'm, I'm being serious because that's what we, we're taught. We're taught that, 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 that God loves you, but first he had to vent all his anger on Jesus so that he can love you. But that's not the gospel of Jesus. Never once did the apostles and y'all say, well, where are you getting that from? Go to the Bible and the book of Acts and read what they tell you. The apostles preached. They didn't start off with saying, God loved you so much, he had to beat up his son in order to show you he loved you. Doesn't some of the stuff that we believed in church for so long start to sound kind of weird when we kind of put it out there? I mean, I love you so much. But I'm not going to beat my son in order to have a relationship with you. That's not love. We can look at that right now in our day and time. And you see someone doing that, and you'd be like, what are you doing? We call CPS in the quickness. I was, <laughs> y'all, we went to do Christmas pictures with my family, and we got some good Christmas pictures this year down at the, the city center where there's fountains and stuff there. 
and and I was being childish. I'll just own this. I was being a little childish in the way I was handling things. I admit this, and so we got in a disagreement. Me and my one of my kids. I won't rem- I won't drop his name, Caden, at all. But we got in this disagreement, and we were back and forth. And my younger kids were like, "It's cold. I want to go home." And and Caden was like, "Yo, chill, calm down, Dad, calm down." Any parent in the room, doesn't that make you want to just calm down when your kid says, calm down? But who was being the right person? That He was, not me, because I was like, calm down. I'll show you calm down. Calm down. And so the guy, <laughs> the guy looked at me, and he says, he said, y'all ready to go? He said, he said, it costs five bucks to get on. I said, how much to leave them here? Just a joke. It was a joke. It was a prank, man, right? It was a joke. That's what I said. How much leave him here? And do you know what my man said? Well, I, I don't know, but I got CPS's number in my phone. Yeah. No, because I was wearing a journey hoodie. True story. It, it doesn't say church. Do you think we're strategic? Look, y'all, at this rate, I'm not going to get past point one again, y'all. Come on. So, so this is good, though. Right? So where was I at? Oh, yeah. So I said, and he said, I got CPS number. But that's my point. My point is, is that we can look at that and go, man, that ain't right. Right? But we, we accept someone telling us in order for God to love you, he had to first beat his son. He had to pour out his wrath and punish his son for everything that you've ever done in your life so that he can love you. Doesn't it start to sound kind of weird now? Yes. So if that's the message you came up on, you started with the wrong message. Because here's the deal. Just like in just about any other situation or relationship, especially if you come out of abuse, if you come out of an abusive relationship, listen, I'm, I, I, we love you. We care about you. you should, no one should ever have to go through an abusive relationship. But if you've ever been in an abusive relationship and been in, and been in a situation where a partner lost control, you know that in the back of your head, that thought runs through your mind continually. Even if they say, I'll never do it again. I promise I won't ever do it again. Even if they have a good track record and they got six months good, seven months good, a year good, you still remember that moment. They put their fist to the door or they put their hands on you. Amen? You remember that? The same thing is true if you start your message out with a message that said God loved you but first had to punish Jesus Christ in order to love you. You know what? You're going to walk around. You're going to spend your entire journey with God thinking, well, I'm glad he loves me, but questioning in the very back of your mind, does he really love me? I know you said he, he dealt with my sin, but is there ever going to be a moment where he comes back and actually really deals with my sin? Because if he did it once, he might do it again. So, so I know this is stretching some of us, but you got to hear me. It makes sense because your whole Christian life is affected by the message you began it with. And so 2022 is a beautiful time to start the journey over again, to start the journey with a message of a God who is not mad at you but madly in love with you, and we will walk this out and show you in Scripture. If your message started off with, with a God that says he loves you sometime, he loves some people and not others, that God loves the elect, and he is, he's sending them to, to heaven, but, but he does not love or he hates others, and he's sending them to this place called hell. If that's the message you started off with, 
It's the wrong message. And so we spent time last week going over these verses real quick. I'm going to go over these verses again. And I know, I promise you I'm going to get to Abraham this week. But John 3.16 and 17 says this. Go, go to there real quick. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now hold it right there. This is how God loved the world. How did God love the world? He gave. Amen? He gave. When you love somebody, you give something, right? You give gifts, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now watch this, verse 17. For God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Another translation says God did not come to condemn the world but to save the world through him. You see, God's message in coming in the form of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Christ, was not to point out all of your flaws and tell you how bad of a person you are. Let me tell you something. There is nobody in here who tells you and criticizes you more than yourself. Amen? True story. Someone can tell me I've missed it, I've done wrong, and I'm going to promise you, you can be mad at me all you want to, but I promise you this, I will always be more mad at myself than you could ever be at me. That's just me. But God didn't come in the world to condemn you, to render you unfit for use. That's what that word condemned or judged means. He didn't come to render you unfit for use, just the opposite. He came to reestablish you, to restore you, and show you that you will never again in your life be rendered unfit for use. He's made you completely fit for use. That's good preaching. Amen. And then you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. And I want you to see this. I want you to get this because this is so important. And so the Apostle Paul goes in and he's talking about the gospel, y'all. He's talking about the message that we're to preach. Hear me. He says, either way, Christ's love controls us, right? It says, since we believe that Christ died for, come on, church, died for, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Keep going, watch. Verse 15, he died for some people, the elect, the even people, the skinny people, the plump people, the bald people, the people with glasses. It says, for he died for what church? Everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. He died Without your permission. He died for you without your permission. Watch what it says. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Keep going. In verse 16, it says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Gosh, this is so hard, isn't it, church? That we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That I've looked at you and determined whether or not you are worthy to be used. Or I've looked at you and determined whether or not you're worthy of my time. See, I think you're good. I think you're bad. We're evaluating each other after our human point of view. What can you do for me? And he says, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We thought he was human just like we were. And how differently we know him now, that joker came back to life. <laughs> In verse 17, it says, and this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, and the old is gone, and the new life has begun. Keep going. Watch. Watch this. It says, and all of this is a gift from God. Did you earn it, church? 
did you, did you do anything to deserve it? No. Did he give it to you because he sang well? Because you, you match your clothes well? No. Because you make a lot of money? Because you make no money. Anyways. See, everybody online, you can't hear the, the disrespectful conversation coming from the media tech booth. Disrespectful. He's evaluating me after a human point of view. And it says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, listen, God has, I just want, hold on, listen, look. All of this, I can preach this whole, verse 18. Just verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself. Did it say that he brought himself back to you? Hear me. If the message you heard growing up, the message you were taught was God had to punish Jesus in order to love you, that is God pulling himself back to you. But it doesn't say that God pulled himself back to you. It says God brought us back to himself. Right? Do you hear me? And it says, and, it says and, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Now, how do you reconcile people to a God who has reconciled us to himself? You let them know. Keep going. It says, for God, look, 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 for God was in Christ. See, if the message, listen, if the message you heard at the beginning of this thing, well, listen, was when God was on, how many of y'all heard it? When God was, when Jesus Christ was on the cross, Easter messages you hear, Good Friday you hear it. When, when God, when Jesus was on the cross, there came a moment when everything went dark for three hours, and then everything went dark for three hours, and God turned his back on Jesus because God could not be in the presence of sin. He's a holy God who can't be in the presence of sin. He turned his back. Back on Jesus in that moment. That's why everything got dark. That's why there was an earthquake. How many of y'all heard that? Y'all have heard that before, right? There's a big problem with that. There's a huge problem with that. Is that when Jesus Christ was on the cross, God was not separate from him. For, for God to be separate from himself would implode the Trinity. God does not know how to abandon because love does not know how to abandon. As a matter of fact, it says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Where was God when Jesus was on the cross? On the cross. Listen, y'all heard some of this last week, and y'all hearing it again this week, and some of us, we need to hear it again next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, because God really does adore you. He is really crazy about you. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting sins, people's sins against them. No longer counting people's sins against him. Man, that is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing when we look at it in light of our own lives. Isn't it a beautiful thing? You say, man, God's no longer counting my sins against me. How many of you guys would would say that's a beautiful thing, amen? But, man, it makes it hard to chew and swallow when it applies to you. Right? When I look at you and see God's not counting your sins just like you're, he's not counting my sins. And he's given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You see, we go out to the world and we tell people, listen, God loves you. God adores you. And God is not counting your sins against you. Keep going. So we are Christ's ambassadors. 
right? God is making his appeal through us, and we speak for Christ when we plead. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. The thing that you think is hindering your relationship has been dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ. Come back to God. Verse 21 says, For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. That means that he was brought and nailed to a tree through the sin of the world. We are sin. Who nailed Christ to the cross? Humans, right. God didn't do it. We did. Who spit on him when he proclaimed he was the Messiah? We did. And who, who called him names and hurled insults at him? We did. We made him sin. He was an innocent man who was crucified like a criminal. God made him who knew no sin to be sin. Or he took on our sin. He became the image of our sin. See, we took an innocent man and said guilty. And God said, because you've made him guilty, I'm going to make you innocent. That does not make sense. It does not make sense. None of us would do that. We would all suck at being God. Amen? You'd be like, you did what? You did? We're going to dig back in the Old Testament and find some good stuff back there. You did what? That's the type of God I would have been. I'm just being honest with you. And so we have this journey that we start with this message. And see, that's the message you start with. That is the message. There is not anything else that we just talked. It, it is that right there, that God adores you. God loves you. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. That's the message you begin with. And you know what our job is to go into the world? Our job going into the world and helping people start their journey is not tell them you need to stop this and stop that and do this and do that. It is simply to go to them and say, hey, did you know that God is madly in love with you? But you don't know me. I don't have to know you. I'm just, I'm just supposed to relay the message. God is madly, you don't know my dirt. Don't need to know your dirt. You don't know my dirt. How about that? You keep your dirt, I keep my dirt, and we just revel in the fact that God loves us. I don't want to be in your head, amen? You don't want to be in my head. Y'all know there's some crazy things that run through my head even while I'm up here preaching. True story. True story. Somebody like, you ain't holy. Neither are you. All right, so I'm kidding. We're all holy. All of us are. He said in Hebrews, he says he's making us holy, those who have been, he's making us perfect, those who have been perfected. We're walking out what is already true in the spirit realm, y'all. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. When you receive your forgiveness, wasn't the moment you were forgiven. It's just the moment it became your reality. You were forgiven 2,000 years ago of every sin you have done, every sin you currently are doing right now, even in church right now. Y'all know y'all sin in church. I sin in church. Sometimes while I'm preaching, I do that. I say things I shouldn't have said, right? And, and then the sins that I haven't done yet, those have all been forgiven. Come on, Jesus, that's worth talking about, right? And so that's the message you start with, but then how do you start the journey? What does the journey that we live out our life look like? Go to John 17, 3. Look, see, I'm here. I'm good now. I got 
20-ish minutes to finish my message. Look, John 17, 3 says, and this is the way to have eternal life. Y'all remember back in John 3, 16 where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. Y'all remember that? And so then Jesus goes over in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's getting ready to be betrayed, and this is what he says. So he's praying to the Lord. He says, go back. Okay. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you. See, we think eternal life is when I die, I get to float away into heaven and sit on a cloud as a fat baby and play a harp. That's what we think eternal life looks like. You ever thought of yourself as a fat baby playing the harp? Me either. So then you go to that. That's what we think that heaven looks like. Eternal life looks like that's what eternal life is. But, but Jesus himself said, no, 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 you're missing it. If you think eternal life is one day off there, you'll miss it. You'll miss so much of your life because eternal life is not one day out there, one day off in there. Eternal life is knowing you the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Now, Pastor Kim is going to preach next week on connecting people to Jesus. That's part of our our value, our why statement of our church. We are connecting people to Jesus to experience life. It ain't complex, y'all. That's exactly what we're doing. We're introducing people to Jesus. Do you know he loves you? Do you know he's forgiven you? Do you know he's mad about you? Do you know he has counted every hair on your head? Yes, it's obsessive. It's a little much, but that's how he is about you. Who in the world did not cut their phone off? Here, can you take this? Take that. That's people are just so bit. They're just texting me, telling me how good the message is. So in verse 3, make sure it's off. In verse 3, it says, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Now, again, again, our why? Connecting people to Jesus to experience life. Pastor Kim's talking next week on connecting people to Jesus. I'm talking this week on the journey. Now, that is the journey. It's knowing God more today than you knew him yesterday. That is the journey. Our church, listen to me, y'all, our church will be a place where anybody can come and hang out and get to know Jesus. It is not my job to fix what I think is wrong with you. It is my job to introduce you to a God who is madly in love with you, and I'll let y'all work it out. Amen? That's my job. Our church will be a safe place. I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you came from. I don't care how much money you make, how much money you don't make. I don't care. This is a place where you can hear a message about a God who loves you and start your journey right here. That's it. So, the gospel is the journey. It's perfection is not the key. It's, it's knowing. It's knowing. And there's a huge difference in how God sees us and how we see us. Did y'all know that? Huge difference in how God sees us and how we see us. The journey reveals God's faithfulness in our unfaithfulness. And this is who God is. He's always faithful. Love doesn't know how to be anything else other than faithful true story. When you look at a journey, when you look at a journey, if you've been on a journey, you know they're exciting, aren't they? Sometimes they are, aren't they? Sometimes they're exciting. Sometimes they're fear-filled. You ever been on a journey that's fear-filled? Oh, my, I remember going, when we, remember when we got married and we, we, we booked our honeymoon through, uh, like, this travel website? Y'all, that was before, like, all the cool stuff. It was like Expedia when Expedia first came out. And we had to print out maps on how to get to St. Petersburg, Florida. 
And you know, sometimes when you print those maps out, they're like way old. And so when you're going down there, you're like, this is not where the map's telling us to go. And it's like detour. I'm like, we, we, don't, have, we don't know how to do that. Like this is where the map tells us to go. And we booked a place in St. Petersburg, Florida. It looked amazing. And y'all, can I tell you, when we pulled up, it literally had to take us through one of the worst neighborhoods we have ever, ever been through. And I was like, I, we had just drove 12 hours. Look, we had just drove 12 hours. And I literally looked at my wife and I said, this is not what we booked. And she's like, I think we should keep driving through. And I was like, I, th- I think we should turn around and go home. Go home. Y'all, this is before you can pull anything up on your phone. You remember that? This is before. Look, this is when the Nokia, the only thing you had was Worm. Y'all remember Worm on your Nokia phone? That was the only game you had. And she over there playing Worm talking about keep going. I'm like, we need to go home. I will turn around and drive 12 hours back. It had been a great vacation, right? They can be fearful. We drove through, and amazingly, you drove through this entire neighborhood, and on the other side of the neighborhood was this, like, resort place. And I was like, this is so weird, right? So they can be exciting. They can be fearful. They can be filled with doubt. How many of you know they can be filled with doubt? Your journey can be filled with doubt, right? It can be filled with failure, and it can be filled with, uh, full of unknowns. They can be life-giving. They can be graceful, and they can be forgiving. So this is what I want to talk about last week. Y'all still with me this morning? Y'all still with me? All right. So this is what I'm going to talk. I'm going to take the next few moments. I'm going to take the next 10 minutes in preacher language time. That's like 15 minutes maybe. After about three closes, that's another 20 minutes. So just bear with me. Abraham. We're here. We're here, y'all. Abraham. I know. <laughs> took a while. We're talking about Abraham. Do you know Abraham is a pretty big deal, right? If you've been around church any time period, any length of time, you know Abraham's a big deal, right? He's the father of faith. For Christians, he is the father of faith because he is the promises fulfilled. We are the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. So next to Jesus, the most important person in the Christian faith is who, church? Abraham, right? Did you know that in Judaism, the most important person starts with Abraham because he's the father of their faith. And then Moses, did you know that in Islam, do you know who the, the most important person to next to Muhammad is? Who is it? I already gave you the answer twice. Who is it? Come on, y'all pay attention, y'all. Pay attention. It's Abraham. In Islam, the most important person next to Muhammad is Abraham. And do you know why? It's because from the lineage of Abraham is where Islam happened, right? You have Isaac when the Jewish tradition and faith happened, and you have Ishmael. We're talking about him in a little while. Ishmael, you have Ishmael, and that's where the Islamic faith comes from, Ishmael. And so Abraham is a pretty big deal. So three of the world's biggest faith hold one person in high esteem, and his name is Abraham. You know, watch this. Um, this is so great. I, even here at this church right here. Y'all, y'all know the song? I learned this song a long time ago, once when I came to vacation Bible school and got that king-size Baby Ruth candy bar. I learned, I learned that song, Father Abraham. Y'all remember that? Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons. I'm asking for participation. That's why I start singing, you start singing. Father Abraham had many sons. I just took it up in the key. Had many sons, had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So... Praise the Lord, right arm, left arm, right, all that stuff. Y'all remember that? Y'all don't remember that? Y'all didn't do the arms, it's like the electric slide. No? It was, it was boogie woogie woogie. (laughs) This is the way church should be, y'all. 
mostly serious. I remember that song, Father Abraham and Many Sons, right? Y'all remember that? Watch this. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, look what it says about Abraham. We're going to do some reading today. We got quite a bit of scripture to read, but don't worry. Y'all just check your box off. You get all your scripture for the first 30 days of the year right here and today, okay? You can be caught up. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 12. Excuse me. All right, verses 8 through 12 says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God, obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. And it says, and he went without knowing where he was going, right? Keep going. It says, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner, living in tents. And it says, and so did Isaac and Jacob, whose inheritance, who inherited the same promise. Now watch this. Keep going. Abraham was confidently looking. Y'all say confidently. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Keep going. And it was by faith. Y'all say faith. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. Keep going. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. (laughs) There is no way to count them. Father Abraham, right, had many sons. When you read that, that scripture, that passage of scripture, you're like, yeah, Abraham, believe God. Yeah, Sarah, she believed God as well. Like, like, if you saw that, you would see that post on social media, and you'd be like, yeah, and it would be like hashtag couple goals, right? <laughs> hashtag obedient, hashtag faith walkers, all them spiritual stuff, because that's what that was. The writer of Hebrews says, let me tell you how great Abraham and Sarah was. It's interesting. Because when God talks about you, that's what he does. He says, let me tell you how great of a person this was. Did you know Abraham and Sarah had some issues, y'all? Like, they had some serious issues. You will feel so much better about your life when you leave here. Watch this. In Genesis chapter 12, Verses 1 through 4, it says this. It says, and the Lord had said to Abram. Now, y'all notice his name was Abram, right? Not Abraham. It says, and the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. It says, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families, y'all say all the families. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abram departed as the Lord had instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Where did he leave, y'all? Haran. Did you know that Abraham left Haran to follow God? You know, I've even said this before. Abraham left Ur. I said this a couple weeks ago. God called Abram. I've said it 15 times in two years. God called Abram, right, out of Ur to take him to a place where he didn't know where he was going. Y'all know? Y'all are going to lose a lot, of, a lot of respect for me right now. Watch this. I'm just being honest. I said, man, God called Abraham out of Ur and told him to go to a place he didn't know where he was going. 
Abraham, I want you to come with me. God, where are we going? I'll show you when you get there. Now watch this. If you go back a couple verses before that little chapter, it says that Abraham's dad left Ur, took his family with him, and they settled in Haran, and then Abraham's dad died in Haran. But you know it said that Abraham's dad left Ur, and he was going to Canaan. So Abraham's journey with God started with his dad. It started with the faith of his father. Later on, it does say that God said, I called you out of Ur to go to Canaan. But he called him out of Ur to go to Canaan through his father. That was like really good. And the Lord said to Abram, come out of land. So let me ask you a question. Who chose who? Come on, God chose Abram, right? God chose Abram. God initiated it. Just like God initiated this thing with you. Just like you didn't get permission for God to love you. He started. <laughs> Just like you didn't get permission for God to take your sins away from you. Even the ones you don't want to let go of. He said, don't bad. You don't get to hold on to them. I'm going to take them. I choose you. We want to talk about the sovereignty of God like this. We want to say God's sovereign. God, everything that happens in your life is God's fault. God's good in this moment, and if it's bad, it's God over here, and as good as God over here, and God's sovereign, and everything works together, and all that. You know what God's sovereign about? God is sovereign about loving you radically. God is sovereign about taking your life every time you make a mistake and you try to fudge it up and turn it around. <laughs> Some of you are like, you're close. But y'all would have still loved me anyways. Every time we try to mess it up, God's being sovereign in this moment going, I don't know that you want to go that direction. Let's go this way. Come on, let's go. Okay, you want to hang there? I'll wait with you for a little bit. You want to go this way? I got a good plan for you. And then sometimes we're like, God, you got a good plan? He's like, I've been telling you that the whole time. Come on. Let's go. But see, God's there. Don't, Don't get it twisted. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. Everybody understand? You didn't wake up one day and go, hmm, God needs me. (laughs) None of us did that. Right? And he goes on to say, all the families will be blessed through you. That was God's promise. I chose you, and I'm going to bless all the families through you. And Jesus Christ would later come and say, for God to love the world. That he gave his one and only son. That he died for all and all have died. So watch now. You would think, man, get a word like that from Abraham. Gets a word like that. He's like, oh, dude, this is awesome. I'm on it. Holy rolling living for me. No PG-13 movies or R movies for me. No alcohol. Welch's grape juice only for me. That's what you think Abraham would have done, right? But he didn't. Go Go to Genesis 12. Verse 10. So then Abraham's like, we're following God. He brings his whole family. Guys, gather around. We're going to follow the Lord. The Lord has spoken to me. We're going to this place called Canaan. We're going to settle somewhere in there. And so they go, and they're all rallied. They're excited. And they go to Canaan, and they get to Canaan. And it says, and at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. I can preach on that for a while, too. What happens when you do exactly what God says you're supposed to do, and it doesn't look like what you thought it was supposed to look like? 
says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt. Y'all say Egypt. Where he lived as a foreigner. Now watch this. This is some crazy stuff right here. And as he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, now listen to me. I got a plan. You are a very beautiful woman. You are so good looking. Right? Let's go to the next verse. And he says, so when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to tell them you're my sister. Then they'll spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. How many of y'all know Abraham just fell like 15 notches right there, right? 15 notches at least. That's said they go to Egypt, they go to Egypt. Do you th- Let me ask you a question. You ready? Do you think God didn't know that that was going to happen? Do you think that God didn't know that was going to happen? Abraham, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. As long as you don't pawn Sarah off as your sister because that's just weird. But he does. He pawns her off as her sister. And then if you go down and you, and you, and you look through it, go to... Um, where are we at? Yeah, let's not go there yet. So he pawns her off as a sister because, yeah. He does that. And Pharaoh brings her in, and Pharaoh goes through the marriage ritual for that. He's going to take her as his wife. And you know what he does to Abraham? He says, man, this is so, your sister's so hot. And Abraham's like, yeah, I know. He's like, I'm going to give you so much wealth. And Abraham says, I think I'm good with that. And, she, and, and Pharaoh gives him gold and silver and animals and livestock. And Abraham is sitting on the jackpot, $300 million, sitting right there because he pawned his wife, who God had made a promise with him through, off on somebody else. How many? That man, how many of y'all feel y'all are not that bad? Anybody else in the room say, I am not that bad? Yeah, I am not that bad. Everybody should be able to raise your hand on that unless you're pawning your spouse off right now. Then we should probably do some counseling after service. Maybe. So he passes him off, and Pharaoh gives him all this stuff, and then all of a sudden the, the, the scriptures say that, man, plagues started hitting uh, Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh gets this word, and he's like, wait a minute, this is not Abraham's sister. This is his wife. And he goes to Abraham and says, why did you lie to me and, and tell me she's your sister, she's your wife, you're setting me up, God's not happy with me right now. And Abraham says, yeah. Right? <laughs> and so then Pharaoh's like, rally your stuff up and get out. Abraham's like, can I keep everything? Just take it all and get out. So he goes, now, do you think that that conversation went well when they left? Like he was like, hey, Sarah. How was it, babe? But that palace was nice, wasn't it? (laughs) So y'all... Some of y'all are like, man, nah. Nah, Sarah said, I'll show you nice. So that's a scary moment. His journey got scary. His, he was in famine. See, we have no concept of what famine looks like. We have no concept whatsoever of what famine looks like. But there was no food. There was nothing. And his chance of survival rested in whether or not he can pawn his wife off as a sister. That is not the right thing to do. 
But that's what he did. His journey was scary. And then you go to Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6, and there's this promise that's been given. And, and it says, And so sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram. He probably had to tell him that post-Egypt. Last time you were afraid, you pawned your wife off. So let me just give you a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and reward you with great things. Don't do that again. <laughs> Makes me look bad. All right, so I chose you. You do that, you know. Verse 2, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good? Listen, this, is, this, is such, this is so typical. What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? You know, it's pattern. Right? And since you've given me no children, how are you going to bless me? I don't even have a son. You know I'm 75 years old. He said, all I have is Eleazar of Damascus, a servant of my household, and he'll inherit all my wealth. It says, and you have given me no descendants of my own, and so one of my servants will be my heir. And then watch this. God goes on and says, and the Lord just said to him, no. No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Do you wonder if Abraham like just went out there and was just like, wow. Or do you think he went out there and was like, all right, one, two, three, four, five. I got to start over, Lord. One. And it's like God's like, that's not the point, boy. I guess not what we're doing here. Just look. There's a lot. There's a lot up there. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. There, that's how many descendants you will have. All the nations of the world will be blessed for you. And he says, and Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of their faith. He believed the Lord. I know you're going to do it, God. I know you're going to give me a son. And so him and Sarah, they, they begin to practice. But their practice didn't make perfect. And she was still without child. And then Sarah says, is there in Genesis 16? Go to 16. Yeah, there it is. So they're doing all this work. And y'all just saw, y'all saw what it said. That it said that the God counted Abraham as righteous, right? Abraham believed God. God counted him righteous. And here we are just a couple years later. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, not able to bear children for him, but she, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Y'all say Hagar. Do y'all remember the story of the Jews being enslaved in Egypt and being let go? And we look at that and go, oh, the Jews, they enslaved. I mean, they were enslaved by the Egyptians. The Egyptians were so mean. But did you know that the Jews did it first? Did y'all go back? Go back to that. Oh, that's right there. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children from, but she had an Egyptian servant or Egyptian slave named Hagar. Now, now watch. Keep going. And so Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has presented me, prevented me from having children. Now, go and sleep with my servant. This is a different time. Is this not a different time? Abraham's like, pretend you're my sister. Sarah's like, okay, sleep with my slave. If y'all don't read the Bible and go, that just don't seem right. You're not really reading it well. It says, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. It didn't even say Abraham was like, now, Sarah, are you sure that's what you, you sure we, sh are you, 
because I don't know that you want to, you want to, you want to do that? It just says, and Abraham agreed. <laughs> Y'all, this is who God chose. Don't you feel better about yourself this morning? Come on. Abraham agreed. And so Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Keep going some more. And so, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar. I can never read that term, sexual relations, without thinking about the Nutty Professor. Y'all remember that movie, Nutty Professor? And the grandma sitting at a table. And she, anyways, y'all got to go back and watch it. But it's a true story. That's all. Every time I read that phrase, I hear her voice. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't know sex relations. <laughs> For those of you online, we're laughing in here a lot this morning. You're probably laughing a lot of online too. So, so Abraham has sex relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. It says, when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to mistreat or treat her mistress Sarah with contempt. In verse 5, it says, and then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. Y'all, y'all. Listen. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant and treats me with contempt. Like, Sarah, did you not know? What was going to happen? Now, she treats me with contempt, and the Lord, and I love this, she brought Jesus into it. She brought the Lord into it. The Lord's going to show us which one's right and which one's wrong. (laughs) This is who God chose. Y'all should feel good about yourselves. They're arguing about who was right and who was wrong for sleeping with the servant. And Abram replied, look. She's your servant. You deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarah treated Hagar so harsh that she finally ran away. See, our journeys sometimes are full of expectations and unknowns, and they reveal our weaknesses. Y'all still with me? I got a couple more to go. Y'all still with me? Keep going. I'll keep you laughing, okay? Here we go. Genesis 17, verse 3 through 7. So later on it says, and that this, God appears to Abram. And as he appears to him, it says, and at this, Abram fell face down uh, to the ground. And then God said to him, keep going, this is my covenant. Now, this is after all this stuff happens. He comes back down and he reaffirms his covenant. Now, this is my covenant with you. I will. Y'all say, I will. I will make you a father of a multitude of nations. Now, watch this. Keep going. What's more is I am. Say, I am. I am. Changing your name. It will no longer be Abram, which means high father or respected father. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for, for you will be a father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. It means father of many, many nations. And it says, I will, say I will, I will make you extremely fruitful, and your descendants will become many nations. I'm reiterating this again because you keep messing this mess up. You keep taking these sidetracks and these sidetracks. I'm trying to tell you I'm in this thing even when you're not. Can I just tell you the true story about your life? Is God is in your life even when you're not. God is in your life even when you're not. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. 
And I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. Did you hear what he said? I'm going to confirm this to you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. From Why did he say that? Because if you go and you read through the Bible, Israel does the same thing Abraham does. I hear you, God, but I want to live for myself. I hear you, Lord, but I'm going to do it my way. And God over and over again says, I'm in this even when you're not. This is everlasting covenant. I will always be your God. Say, I will always be your God. It applies to you. And the God of the descendants after you. Keep going. Watch this. Is that it? That's it. All right. Keep going. All right. So he gives him this. He renames him now. See, I'm going to have people calling you father of many nations. So it gets through your head that you're going to be a father of many nations. So every time someone calls your name from that point, they're not calling you high father or respected father. They're calling out to you. Where is the father of many nations at? I don't know. We got to do this today. What should we do? I don't know. Go ask the father of many nations. Father of many nations. What are we going to do today? It's God's way of driving that point home. Don't mess this up anymore. There's a calling and a promise on your life, father of many nations. From now on, when he talks to him, he says to him, father of many nations. But he doesn't just stop there. Watch, this is so good. He doesn't just stop there, but he goes on, right? In Genesis 17, verses 15, watch this. Verse 15, it says, and then God said to Abraham, God said to father of many nations, regarding Sarai, your wife, Her name will no longer be Sarai, but from now on, it will be Sarah. You see, her name will no longer be princess. That's what it means. Sarai means princess. Watch this. Instead, her name will be Sarah. Do you know what Sarah means? My princess. See, I got to do something for her. I got to establish some worth and some value into her. She needs to know who she is because it's when we know whose we are that we walk in God's plan. So you're not Abraham's princess, Sarah. Let me tell you something. You're my princess. So then God says to Abraham regarding Sarah, your wife, for her name will no longer be Sarah. From now on, she will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give her a son from her. Yes, I will. I will. Y'all say I will. I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Keep going. And then Abraham bowed down to the ground. Watch, watch. And he laughed to himself in disbelief. Watch the shade. There's so much shade back and forth here. Watch this. He laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. But that's not where the shade's at. The shade's right here. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? He laughed to himself. Remember when it said he believed God and it was counted for him as righteousness? Abraham's journey was filled with doubts. He laughed. Keep going. And so Abraham said to God, how about we just go back to Ishmael? How how about we just go back to Ishmael? How how about we go back to Hagar's son? Because I already see that one. I know know that worked. I see that one. How about we just go back? Think about what he just said. I'm going to make you a fa- I will make you a father of many nations. I will. Yeah, but I already done that, and I've done that, and now he's there. May Ishmael live under your special blessing. In verse 19, watch this. He says, but God replied, no, my princess, your wife, 
will give birth to a son for you, and you will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants, an everlasting covenant, because they're hard-headed just like you are. Keep going. Watch. In Genesis chapter 18, we're almost there. Y'all, y'all still with me? All right. This is good, isn't it? Genesis chapter 18, verse 10, it says, and then one of them said, I will return to you. Now, now, now God's appeared to Abraham and, he, Abraham, and he's hanging out with him with two other guys, angels, right? And, this is, and then one of them says, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, God's princess, will have a son. And, and, and my princess was listening to this conversation from her tent. She's overhearing this conversation. She's going to have a child. And Abraham and Sarah were both very old. Y'all say very old very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. And so she, what, laughed. This dude's out of his mind. So she laughed silently to herself. You ever laugh to yourself silently? Mm-hmm. Your face is not showing that you're laughing, but you're laughing all inside, right? She laughed to herself. She said, how can a worn-out woman like me, enjoy such pleasure, but that's not where the shade's at, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. He's so old. <laughs> I live with him, Lord. This is a joke. <laughs> and then the Lord said to Abram, Watch this. This is so funny. And the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Like, Abraham didn't even know. Like, Abraham's talking. He's like, I just made this this whole thing. And Sarah can see. And he said, why did Abraham laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Look at the next verse. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now watch. Keep going. And Sarah was afraid, so she denied it. I didn't laugh. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. I was coughing. It was, it was sinuses. So, you know. And the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Does not anybody find that funny? Because that's where it ends, and it just goes on. It's like, I didn't laugh. And the Lord's like, no, you did. You did laugh. Keep going, watch this. And, and so you got this, watch this. This is so crazy. I'm almost done. I promise I'm almost done. Y'all, this has been so good. Thank you for being such a great audience today. All right. I know, like it's a comedy show, right? So you would think at that moment right there that everything was good. Like both of them, they got it. They've been through it. They got it. They're going to have a kid. It's going to be great. Everything is going to be good. And you go to Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 7, and this is what it says. Abraham moved to the south of Negev and lived there a while at Kadesh and Shur. Watch this, watch this. And then he moved into Gerar, and it says, and while living there as a foreigner, watch, watch, watch. Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. Y'all. Y'all. Again? Again, she is my sister, and so King Abimelech of Gerar sent Sarah and had her brought to him in his, in his palace. Go, and it says, but that night God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, you're a dead man. For that woman you have taken is already married. And Abimelech was like, had not slept with her yet, and so he was like, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Watch, keep going. Didn't Abraham tell me she's my sister? This family's weird. This is not right. It says, and she herself, oh, here's a twist. 
And she herself said, yep, he's my brother. And I acted in complete innocent. My hands are clean. Keep going. Watch what it says. And it says in the dream, God responded to him, yes, I know you're innocent. That is why I kept you from sinning against me and why I didn't let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you for he's a prophet and then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. I just, you know, there's that. So they go there and go one more. Watch just a couple more verses, guys. You're doing so great. Chapter 21. There we go. We get to this point that says, and the Lord kept his word. Y'all, listen. What did it say? The Lord kept his word. Did Abraham keep his word? Did Sarah keep her word? No, it says, but the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. Keep going. And she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the right time. And God had said it would. Watch. Keep going. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Keep going. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. And Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. Who got the last laugh on that? God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. And in verse 7 it says, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Who would have said that? Like God, right? Like I'm pretty sure God said that. Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. I want to wrap right there, right? I want you to get that. We're going to wrap with some worship, but I'm going to take you all over, so I'm just going to pray for you in just a second. But listen, your journey is a journey of a God revealing himself to you and showing you his goodness. That's the journey. It's God revealing to you how crazy he is about you. That is the journey. And you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to lie. Hopefully not pawn your wife or your husband off. But you're going to do some crazy things. And God will always remain faithful to you because that's what love does. You're going to have times where you doubt what he's told you he's going to do. You're going to have times where you doubt your relationship, where you doubt your career choice, where you doubt your finances, you doubt your health. You're going to have those moments. But God is not too small that he can't bear your doubts. Do you hear me? It's okay. God specializes in taking people who doubt and argue and screw things up and doing something incredible with them. Ask me how I know. Because I'm sitting right here preaching the gospel to you. I've messed it up. If I could have messed it up, I've messed it up. If I could have lied about it, I've lied about it. That's just a true story. But my faith is not found in my love for God. My faith rests in my God's love for me. And the same thing is true for us. Just like God told Abraham, I will. I will. I will. I am. God speaks that over you this morning. He says to you, I am. Whatever it is that you need. Remember, I am that I am. I am everything you need. I am everything you need. That's where the journey starts. We're getting to know him. 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to pray for you real quick. And then y'all can go rescue Miss Dreama from your kids. Father, I thank you for every person who's here right now, Lord. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray, Father, that these words that were spoken today would just reside in our hearts. They would just reverb in our hearts as we go throughout our week. God, that you are not a God who is against us. You are a God who is for us. Father, you are not a God who's mad at us, but you are a God who is madly in love with us. And, God, that you have good things in store for our lives even when we mess them up. God, we can not outfail your grace. We thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room, every person who's watched online. I pray a blessing over them today, Lord. Let them be first in line at the buffet or they're hitting the buffet. Lord, let them take a good Sunday nap. Let our kids rest peacefully and leave us alone. Father, we thank you for a great day today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next week, same time.